Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Amazing. A booby trap that actually catches boobies. Well, this wraps my coronation. Everyone has been destroyed because of this freak. I won't allow it. These babies just saved this lame death party. You are listening to thisweekingeek.net. I am one of your hosts today. I am Mike the Birdman, and I'm not alone as I trek through the wild Canadian wilderness that is southern Ontario. I'm joined from the great city of Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. With Alex the producer. All right, guys. So we have a lot to cover in this show. We're actually recording this show a little bit early because uh, it's an unbelievably busy weekend for Birdman. I've actually been, um, as you guys often know, I attend a lot of Guelph Storm games here in the city. And it's been a surprisingly busy week for hockey to me. Uh, as we often do off the top of the show, we talk about the week that was in our lives. And this week for me was actually exceptionally special. So I went to something at the Sleeman Center, which is our big uh, hockey arena here in town. And I attended the University of Guelph's alumni event. And that's where they have the Guelph Griffins play against Wilfred Laurier's uh, Hawks. And it's a huge game for all the alumni to come out. A lot of VIPs come out. A lot of it's basically it's a huge community event. And Alex. The energy in that arena, you would think it was the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 7, Game is tied 3-3, last five minutes of play. Now imagine that for two and a half, three hours. That energy was frigging electric. It was so cool. And I met so many people from the University of Guelph. I made I met a nice woman from uh the alumni association named Amy. Um and there's just some really cool opportunities that could be happening there. Um I met other people from in the community. I met the guy who runs the Sleeman Center, a person named Rich who was able to help me out with some stuff. I'm also doing some accessibility stuff with the Sleeman Center. And, oh, yeah, I guess I should publicly kind of mention this. So 
this last week uh, on the 17th, um, I started doing some work with the city of Guelph. Uh, as you guys know, I do a lot of accessibility stuff. And as of Tuesday, I have been named as the Guelph Accessibility Advisory Council's vice chair. So I'm essentially the vice president of the of the council that reports to city council. So if something comes up in the community, if something needs to be addressed, if we need to do any kind of research projects, this, that, and the other thing, I'm the number two guy. And it's a tremendously cool honor to serve my community and to do that. And I've done just a bunch of accessibility stuff here in the city in the last week, which I'm really hoping will, will uh, genuinely help people. And I'm really looking forward to that. Dude, like when you first moved to town, uh, you know, priority one was not dying. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That that was uh, 2017 through 2019 was not dying was the hope. Not dying is still a a, a part of priorities in your life and all of our lives. But it went from number one priority to, I remember when, you know, about a year after you had your amputation, you were like, you did some soul searching. Mm -hmm. And you were like, you had, you even had the, the question you posited, you're like, I don't know, like you were, you didn't want to stop podcasting, but you're like, I don't know where I see myself in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then you, you said like, I want to do more things for that. Like you literally said, I want to do good. Not like, you know, I want to, you know, do get the, I want to do good for people. Yeah. And you were like, I want to volunteer just, and you just weren't sure if you were going to be able to get there. And you know, it took a little longer and now it's like, you're, you're making up for five years that you couldn't do it. Yeah. Like, like I am volunteering literally three or four days a week. I volunteer at, at, at a local food bank, which brings me back to frosty mug. So I worked with, with my friend Jordan and I got a food drive going at frosty mug, which is the event. And a bunch of people donated. They, uh, they brought in uh, donations. Yes. Yesterday morning, this gigantic box, full of stuff and that's going to replenish some of the food stores here at chalmers and it's really heartwarming just to see that something is being done in this community and it was incredibly cool um it's wonderful i'm looking forward to it and next weekend hopefully i'm around to do the show next week because i'm volunteering four days next week at this arts festival which should be tremendously cool i'm really looking forward to it it's called uh, Arts Everywhere, which if you just type in the Google Arts Everywhere Guelph, you should be able to see exactly what I'm doing. It's this cool academic well, series. Let's be sure. Make sure that you, you know, are you able to do some TikTok videos from that? Oh, you could count on it because Saturday there is a drag brunch. Never been to one with Canadian performer Rose Beef. And, uh, I'm <laughs> roast, like, like, like as in roast beef, yeah. but rose beef. Yeah. Like, I'm like, all right. Oh, this, that's amazing. Like, this sounds cool. Weird. Strange. I'm in. You are you, you're getting a selfie, right? Oh God. Yes. There will be tons. I want to try and get like a TikTok with them. You want to, I thought you were going to say you were going to try to get like a full on cloud strife makeover honeybee in style there. You know what? I would give it a whirl because Hey, you never know. Right. But yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to doing that next week. And then I guess my my final update to share with uh, kind of you guys, um, Beaker and Dutch are doing wonderful. Those are the new Twig uh, kitties. We actually got them scheduled to go to Disneyland, a.k.a. they're going to the vet to get neutered next month. So <laughs> they are going to be little balls of joy, I'm sure. But, Daddy, 
my balls. <laughs> they have been just the most precious little boys. Dutch looks up at me with such love in his eyes. Last night we were listening to a podcast. I was actually listening to the guy we interviewed this past week, uh, Enrique Couto. And Dutch was just like, daddy, daddy, pet my tummy. Look at me. Meow, meow, meow. Um, which, by the way, guys, um, if you go to uh, Heinrich's uh, Facebook profile, his dog, Chicano, is actually going through chemotherapy right now. And Oof. so Chicano is responding well to chemo, but it's a little bit rough. So if you can check out his GoFundMe, I'll get Alex to post the link in the show notes. If you can donate, I would consider it a huge thing to me. If you can't, I understand. Just share it. Good enough. Uh, so, our, our our animals are our family. So, yeah, they yes. yeah they like really are. So we're wishing Enrique or Heinrich, however you want to pronounce it, because we do talk about that in the interview. Um, it good vibes are definitely appreciated. So Alex, what have you been doing this past week? Uh, well, this past week I I, I dove into the streaming thing. Um, just to get uh, acclimated uh learning as we went you know quality was low at first got better yada 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 uh my brother came by after seeing that i've been streaming a couple days and have been struggling with my video card like i had i have the same video card that you do which is the uh amd radeon 5500 xd it is like pretty much like a almost a god tier 1080p video card like you can do 1080p ultra pretty much anything or close to it except for some of the more strenuous current gen games right mm -hmm. uh and it's good but the video capabilities of like the hardware side of it like hardware acceleration side are crap amd is absolute garbage for that and it was really struggling to output you know up to twitch uh, without it being blocky in that and my brother comes by on, on tuesday he's like i gotta come by and drop something off he comes over and he goes here's your birthday present i've had it for over a month but I see you're streaming now. Open it. And it was one of those, the new Intel uh, Arc video cards, which it's, it sounds like, you know, like video card, that's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's expensive. Not those new Intel ones like that. This is the entry level one, uh, which I know for a fact it, it's like 150 bucks when it's not on sale versus like four or five, six hundred dollars that you're, you had to pay the last few years for video cards at the bare minimum. Uh, and I guess he got it during like black friday sales or something uh and and he goes because he, he knew i was going to try to get into streaming in the new year and it on paper is about five percent to ten percent less performance than my current card for most uh older games because there's some driver issues right now because it's a brand new card uh but for newer games you know same quality also includes ray tracing support which um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing or not. But the big thing is it has the most advanced video encoder engine of any video card out there, period. Mm -hmm. And it's the cheap and it's the cheapest video card you can possibly buy. And it's like, what the F? How, how, did, how did this happen? How is it that it's the most advanced? But anyway, I pop it in my computer. It uses half the power the old card does. It's smaller. Uh, and immediately I get like, not kidding, double to maybe even triple the visual quality. Oh, wow. And the CPU usage, 1% to do that. Jeez. And I was like, holy crap. So I've been experimenting left and right. I, at first we did, we played Final Fantasy 1. Then we played, and these are the pixel remasters. Then Final Fantasy 2. And I just started today Final Fantasy 3. And 
what's crazy about it is it allows me to actually do two things at once. I can stream to Twitch using the hardware encoder, and then I can also save a copy to my local hard drive or solid state drive at a different quality. It can use two, it can encode two videos at the same time. And it only went to 1.4% CPU usage. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so what, what that means is you can stream at the maximum quality that Twitch allows, and that's roughly the, the max uh, upload speed that we can get with my gigabit internet because Rogers has gigabit down 50 meg up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, ah, but that works out fine for, for Twitch. Uh, and then I can save a video at like two or three times that quality uh, easily. I, I can save it like even 10 times that quality if I want to. And then I upload that video to YouTube instead of using Twitch to, to post it over. It makes it a lot higher, but the higher quality overall. So I can do that or you do that so that you can edit the video later on, right? When you want to make clips or add like video titles and stuff, so many more options. And I also played around with it. Uh, doing video conversions, I was like, okay, let's let's pop a Blu-ray in my computer, one of my movies, and let's make a backup and see how I, you know, how compressible it is. And it uses that it it's the first video card on the market that can encode AV1. I know this sounds like technical, but this is important for anybody who's gaming and going to be doing streaming and YouTube videos in the future. AV1 is what all of the companies are switching to over the next year. YouTube has already been encoding high traffic videos. Like if you go to like a Linus Tech Tips or one of these, you know, like 10 million plus subscribed uh, video uh, channels, all their videos are already using AV1. Uh, and Twitch has been wanting to switch over to it in the last year. I think they're doing it this year. And what AV1 is, is it's a free and open media format for encoding video that is more efficient than um, H.265 or H.264, which have been the standards for the last little while. Long story short, makes videos much more compressible so way lower data rate for your streaming at way higher video quality but it's super intensive on your cpu to make videos for it and code mm -hmm. well nvidia just launched a version of it but the intel one is the very first one that has the hardware encoder so again if i was going to encode a video let's say i was going to make a copy of a video av1 is so slow because it's so intensive that it would take it's like one frame every five seconds jesus christ that's think slow. about that yeah right i get 270 frames using the the this video card wow at like to, to the point where that what does that mean that means that you could be streaming 120 hertz video like 120 fps video online and saving a copy of it at the same time to your computer without using any extra video or any extra cpu and uh, anyway, what that also means is I, it's also way more efficient. So I took my video, my Blu-ray copy, which is 25 gigs of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And I told it, I said, here, here, try to make this 100% quality because there's, there's an option when you do the conversion of the videos, you can have either like set a video size or you can go set a standard quality. I'm like, make it a one-to-one -one video quality with this Blu-ray. Uh, encoded the full video in 10 minutes and i i swear to you i kid you not it was 650 megabytes oh wow a 10 a 1080p movie the same size as a divx avi 240p file from 2001 and i was like that's not possible and i did a side-by-side -side comparison 
like this is why they're all wanting to do this this is why netflix wants to do this because everybody we have friends that are in rural cities right and the biggest complaint they have is i can't watch 4k because i don't have fast enough internet so what this means is this is the video format of the future it's you'll be able to get standard def you know file sizes at 4k so anyway, long, that's my long story short is I've been messing around with video stuff and doing streaming and we're going to be doing a heck of a lot more as I learn more about it and make overlays and we're going to have people. And I've had, you know, some random new people coming into the 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 chat. And they said, yeah, yeah, your video quality looks great. Like it's literally like, yes, I'm playing the games, but a lot of it is. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, I'm playing the games, but how does it look, people? Let me know. <laughs> That's cool, man. Like, I'm really happy you're finding so, something new to get into and explore. Well, and it's going to help. It's going to help just all of us in the long run, too, right? It's, it's, it's also going to help if we start doing more, uh, if we start doing reviews and stuff with more of a visual medium. You know, at least we know we've got a one of our video cards can do the rendering of putting in the effects or doing whatever. Uh, so I'll just say this: I'm this week we'll be streaming uh, more Final Fantasy three, which you can select your character names at the beginning. So I decided to make it a twig crew. So it's Alex, Mike, uh, Ken, and JT. You, I believe, are the uh, black belt monk cool. in the game right Ryan, now. Yeah, I, I'm the knight because I always I always make the first character a knight uh ken is the white mage and jt is the black mage oh that's cool man uh and of course that the job classes will change a little bit but that's how it is right now uh i also have uh uh fire emblem engage that i'll be uh reviewing that this coming week uh maybe next week depending on how long it takes me to get through it and we'll also be testing streaming i've got a capture card we're going to test streaming maybe some stuff from the nintendo switch uh, that can't guarantee that yet because I want to make sure all the settings for PC are fine for now, but uh, we've got that coming. And then uh, I might try streaming a little bit of Forspoken when that comes out next week. All right, good stuff. All right, guys, so we have <clears throat> a lot to get to this week here on the show. We're going to be looking at some stuff from Hasbro. We're going to be looking at an exclusive set that you can pick up at Toys R Us and I think other retailers. We're also going to be taking a look at Star Trek Prodigy on Blu-ray coming just from Paramount Home Entertainment. And Alex, what are we going to be looking at today from you in terms of review? A PS4 slash PS5 JRPG Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters from Idea Factory. All right, cool, guys. So before we go anywhere, we are going to trek into the final frontier with the crew of the USS Protostar and holographic Captain Janeway. 
Janeway still my captain. I don't care what you say. Fight me. We will be back right here on thisweekingeek.net. I've been Mike the Birdman. He's been Alex producer. We'll be back, guys, right after this. Hey, guys, this is Mike the Birdman here, and I'm here to talk to you about one of the latest releases from Paramount Home Entertainment. I'm talking about Star Trek Prodigy. This is technically part one, so this is only episodes one to ten coming at you on Blu-ray. And well, this is sort of, as they describe in the special features of this disc, the on-ramp for Star Trek. This is the proposed kids show that was talked about a while back. And what we get here are the first ten episodes that was produced between Paramount and Nickelodeon. And I gotta say, this is probably some of the best Trek that has ever been on TV. You don't need to be an expert in the original series. You don't need to have seen every episode of like TNG or DS9 or Voyager or Enterprise or any of that stuff. You can literally come into this as a newbie and still have a fantastic time. This show is really one of the best kids shows I've seen in a long time. And a lot of my adult friends really enjoy it too. I know when we talk about the show on Future Imperfect, we were pleasantly surprised so this follows a group of teenagers who basically uh hijack well borrow i guess they should say a starfleet vessel an experimental nx class that means there's only one of them and this is the uss protostar and they decide you know what let's go find out what this starfleet is and let's take it back to them however guiding them along their journey is hologram captain janeway and this series takes place a couple years after uh, Voyager returns to the Alpha Quadrant. So this ship has all sorts of design aesthetics fitting with the era of when Voyager came back, but also has a number of notable upgrades, including a experimental engine. Well, I I'm not going to get too much into that because it's actually kind of cool how that thing works. And it's really cool. Like there's a Telrite on board. There's a Medusin and all sorts of other species that are unique to this show, but also familiar if you're deep into the Trek lore. Um, this show is really cool. I can't say that I'm disappointed with it in any shape or form. There's one episode where um, sort of the captain, Dal, goes aboard the holodeck, and he has to use old Starfleet uh, holograms, like he uses a hologram, of Spock and Uhura and Odo and Crusher to take on his version of the Kobayashi Maru and it uses archival audio all spliced together to make it sound as natural as it possibly can and it's really cool to hear Nimoy again to hear Nichelle Nichols who recently passed and it's kind of beautiful in its own way I mean ultimately Star Trek Prodigy is the best Trek on TV right now outside of Lower Decks. And that's kind of saying something when the animated stuff is better than the live action stuff. I mean, it's no secret that I'm not a huge fan of Discovery. I like the idea. But Prodigy is, I think, where I really think I found my niche. I think Trek, for me, the future is animated, which is kind of funny. Uh, so, yeah, um, including on these two discs, you get 75 minutes of special features. Um, the longest one is about 30 minutes, but it's split into multiple segments. So they're like little bite-sized pieces of Trek. The other ones are usually less than 10. There's a couple that are 
a little shorter than that. But you get about 75 minutes. It's not bad. I kind of wish they spliced it together into a documentary, but I could see how this might be a little bit more accessible for kids if they only wanted to know, well, why is there a 3D printer on board the ship? Which is kind of cool when they talk about that in the special features. Or they talk about how the phasers are different than the dolphin type phasers you would see in Voyager's uh, era. So yeah, ultimately, Star Trek Prodigy, if you've always wanted to get in the Star Trek but are intimidated by the sheer scope and depth of its lore, then as they say, Star Trek Prodigy is a pretty good on-ramp. I th really think you should check this out. Plus, it brings back my captain. That's right. Fight me in the streets. Captain Janeway. I, I love this show. I really can't recommend this series enough. So that is Star Trek Prodigy on Blu-ray, coming to us from Paramount Home Entertainment. The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. Gossip, rumors, panic in the streets. We're lucky. This Week in Geek News. Welcome back to ThisWeekInGeek.net. I'm your host, Mike the Birdman. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to start things off with a story from BloodyDisgusting.com. Chucky has officially been renewed for a season three. Officially announced this morning, so last week, Don Mancini's uh, hit horror series Chucky has been renewed for season three, set to return to both USA and sci-fi with brand new episodes later uh, this year. Quote, the cast and crew of Chucky would like to thank fans and critics alike for their overwhelming response to season two which we were delighted to announce, which has now spurned uh, the official green light on season three. This news has made Chucky very happy. Thank Dembala for that, because otherwise Chucky would have been frankly impossible to deal with. Many thanks also to our partners at Sci-Fi USA and UCP for helping us keep Chucky busy. See you in 2023 for what Chucky himself promises to be his scariest season ever, said Don Mancini. What can we expect from season three? Well, let's talk about where things stand right away. The season two finale saw the return of walking, talking Glenn slash Glenda doll, once again, voiced by Billy Boyd, and once again, housing the souls of both Glenn and Glenda. The, the doll's new chosen name is now Gigi, and they set off on their own adventures in the UK. As for Glenn, Glenda in their human forms, played by Lucian Wilson, those bodies are no more. Gigi's mom, Tiffany, is now being hunted down by Nika Pierce, who's no longer burdened with the soul of Charles Lee Ray. Tiffany is hiding out in New York City, and Nika is hot on her trail. Jake, Devin, and Lexi, meanwhile, attempted to have a peaceful Christmas celebration with Lexi's mother, and though some relationships were mended and some moments of peace were indeed found, it wasn't long before Chucky Prime, in the, in the body of a brand new good guy doll, came down the chimney with a chainsaw. Chucky managed to brutally kill off Lexi's mom in one of the franchise's most all-time greatest kill scenes, and Lexi turned the tables on Chucky. She chainsaw massacred Chucky, at the time believing it to be the final doll imbued with Charles Lee Ray's soul, but there's at least one Chucky doll still out there. Uh, the other big surprise in the season finale was that Lexi's sister Caroline is now in league with Tiffany Valentine. Convinced by Chucky that Tiffany's actually her real mother, Caroline has essentially moved over to the dark side, working side by side with Tiffany. And uh, yeah, so we will be looking forward to more Chucky season three. I am so pleased that this show has found the legs that it needs to to survive it proves that franchise television like this can work, which kind of ties into the conversation I had with Heinrich uh, Kuto this week about Freddy's Nightmares. Chucky is a show 
that could have been a, a cheap cash in, but it wasn't, and it works. Can I? Uh, I don't like it. Really, I love it. I think I so really cool. liked season one. Mm-hmm. I loathed season two. I think season two, its biggest problem is that it was inconsistent. It, I, it, the first episode bored me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what it is? I don't like the cast that aren't or- original people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Something about season two didn't pull me in. Maybe it, for me, uh, okay, this is just a me thing. It was too much. As in too much, like, it was asking too much of me to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I did watch, like, kill highlights, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Uh, and, and, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Like, I'm still going to, I'll probably be apprised of it. It's just, I felt like the first season was so good that I don't know what they could have done for season two to make it better in my mind. Now, this is obviously the season for all the fans. Like, like from what I saw, I was like, okay, they're going deeper into like the lore and tying up loose ends. Whereas the first season for a casual watcher like me was like, Hey, uh, do you remember the first three movies? That's what this is. Right. And then in season two, it's like, Hey, do you remember the movies that barely anybody watched? That's what this is for, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, they went a lot deeper when the franchise wasn't really as popular anymore. I'm glad and they I, brought back Glenn and Glenda. I wasn't sure well, whether they'd I, bring I, that I was, up. I was going to ask about that. So, is that obvious? Like, is it sounds like an obvious homage to uh, to Ed Wood, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? Uh, I would imagine so, considering Don Mancini is, like, one of those really big kind of gay icons in Hollywood. Again, I'm and, not part of that community, so I don't know. Well, and I was going to say, like, because Glenn, Glenn and Glenn, or Glenda was, like, really controversial at the time, but it was one of maybe the first, you know, don't quote me, but, like, wasn't it one of the first representations of, like, LGBT culture in you know, uh, as a sensationalized thing, but in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. I can't think of many examples before that. And definitely with someone, it's like obviously a very weird uh, allegory, I guess, for being trans and the character as voiced by Billy Boyd handled it remarkably well, I thought. So, so I mean like, yeah, like it's, it's an homage and obviously uh, Ed Wood being an icon for generations afterwards, not necessarily always for the best parts, but like I know that Glenn or Glenda, that is something that stuck with people. So I guess that, you know, that's that's obviously cool. I, I didn't know that that was. So is that a character from what, like the late 90s, early 2000s movie? That would have been from Seed of Chucky, which was post 2000. Was that the last one that went to theaters or is that Curse? I think that was the last one that went to theaters because Curse, I'm pretty sure, was direct to video. And so it was Cult Cause it, of Chuck. Because it was, I remember the last time like it was like really popular, like mainstream popular was Bride of Chucky. Yeah, yeah. It went Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, cult, or Curse, and then Seed or not Seed, Cult, or maybe it was the other way around. Um, I yeah, because there, there were there were two that were direct to video, right? Yeah, and those were better than what I expected, and that's the thing with with the Child's Play franchise. It's been one that knows it's self aware enough to realize you can't take it seriously. The first 
four movies I think are fantastic. Some of the later that, ones. Because it's, it's Child's Play 1, 2, and 3, yeah. and then Bride, Yes, right? and Bride is, that was done by Ronnie Yu, who then later went on to do uh, Freddy versus uh, Jason. Yeah, because I, like, I remember I was in either middle school or high school when Bride came out, and that, that was like, legit like really popular oh yeah because it was with, with like so with weird. like my generation and then all the college kids like your age mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and like just the fact that they've been managed to take a character that shouldn't work in a tv series work and the strength of, <clears throat> of excuse me the younger cast really works well especially the kid that plays jake <clears throat> that kid i hope goes somewhere i really oh and, and don't take me wrong i was not saying like i don't think the, the cast are good kids it's the new think, people that suck that's what i'm saying the people that came that were new to this season mm-hmm. and i don't mean new like hey they were from the previous films and they just brought them back i mean new new yeah i just didn't it, they didn't pull me yeah like the supporting cast ar- around chucky <clears throat> not as strong this season i'm definitely going to agree with you there and the show obviously is carried by the three kids, Jake, Lexi, and uh, I can't remember the other kid's name, uh, Devin. Um, it works. So what's going to happen next on season three? I don't know. I hope they revisit other possibilities because I know there's always been talk of that long gestating Friday the 13th. And I want to say there was some movement on that at some point late last year. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I hope it's successful. Regardless, like, you know, you know what I would love. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would love a special anthology movie released for, uh, uh, let's say Shudder wants to sponsor it or something, right? Mm-hmm. How great would it be for a triple, like, you know, anthology uh, a la Creep Show, right? But it's got dual hosts and it's the Crypt Keeper and Chucky. That would be fantastic. You could get Brad Dureef and John but, Gazeera. Yeah, Chucky, my boy. And, and, you know, and, and, and there's like having Chucky like, I don't know, bake a cake or something, but you find there's like a severed hand in it. Actually, like that. it's funny that you mentioned Chucky and the Crypt Keeper. So I listened to a podcast called How Not to Make a Movie, and it's with producer and director Alan Katz. Alan Katz is, is, was the season three forward showrunner producer a big dude over at tales from the crypt he also directed bordello of blood and that's what this movie chronicles the making of bordello of blood but also goes into tales from the crypt so, so basically the good seasons like i mean not, not that the first three weren't good but like where it became a pop culture icon yeah and uh they were talking with one of the special effects people 
from the Crypt Keeper. And he said, did you know that the Crypt Keeper shares eyes with Chucky? And I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, it turns out that when they were making Child's Play and the Crypt Keeper, the special effects team had a leftover pair of Chucky eyes rather than cast a new pair of eyes and create new things. They just took an old pair of Chucky eyes and put them into the Crypt Keeper. That's why they're that vivid set of blue. And it's such a neat piece of trivia I found. So it wasn't a case of a really good art director. It was a case of look what we got. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's not waste these parts. We have them around the workshop anyway. So that's really, really, really cool. Just the fact that they share a common connection, which by the way, I cannot recommend that podcast enough. You learn so much about directing and producing and just what it takes to make a movie. Look at you, a 16-year podcast veteran, finally listening to podcasts. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, <laughs> like uh, you, you know how many people probably don't believe that, or didn't believe that you weren't a podcast listener? Yeah, like I just never got into it, and now I listen like, to you, so you, many. You'd hear the you'd hear the odd one here or there, but like that you were not an avid podcast listener. And you know, it's it's like people who are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a TV producer, but I don't watch TV. Yeah, like it just never got into me so i listen to canadian true crime i listen to how not to make a movie welcome the prime time and a couple i listen to the punk rock uh mba and a few other ones and i just i'm always learning I'm, stuff now i'm i'm weird and old in that well i i still listen to one or two wrestling podcasts for the background information on people more than anything uh like i'll listen to jim Cornette's podcast because a lot of times it's also on politics which i find interesting there uh I'm listening to the wrestling news which is a 10 minute podcast every morning that gives you all the news that happened in the last day so i, I can know what i can avoid watching <laughs> <laughs> um i listened uh and then i have uh retro gaming roundup which is uh, a podcast that's been going like 10 years and it's a five-hour podcast but they only release it once a month so it has tons of segments in it uh, and you could just let it go on your podcast on your podcatcher. Just, you know, listen to like 30 minutes now and then 30 minutes in like two or three days. It's one of those things where you, you basically have a whole month to listen to it. So I like and that's like a holdover from way back, you know, way back when you started podcasting, where sometimes podcasts were only once a month. Um, and then I on top of those, I listened to the, here's my old man thing. In the last year, I started listening to three podcasts, uh, three news podcasts, two from the CBC as it happens uh and uh what's the other one i forget the other one i just have it on there and then i listened to one from rogers media i think it's called um oh uh the big story and it's like they're 30 minute podcasts every day so i'm like i'm listening to am radio basically because <laughs> i'm old <laughs> hey man whatever keep whatever keeps you going during the day. So speaking of keeping going, we're going to move on to our next story. This one comes courtesy of comicbook.com new ghost recon uh, game reportedly in development at Ubisoft. And believe me, these guys need to need a win sometime soon. So quote, it sounds like a new entry in Ubisoft's ghost recon franchise is set to arrive in the coming years. Within the past decade, Ubisoft has released two new installments in the ghost recon series series with 2017's ghost recon wildlands and 2019's ghost recon breakpoint. While wildlands ended up being quite popular with fans, breakpoint was far more divisive, which led many to wonder what Ubisoft could do. What, what could look to do next with the series. Yeah. After quite a if you remember our, our review was uh breakpoint was is all right yeah it's, it's okay fine. It, it was the same well we liked far cry 6 more mm -hmm. because the story and the setting was a little better 
but it, we I remember we played it. We're like, is wait, is that the one? Yeah, is that the one where you broke it and like? Yeah, uh, because if you knew how to do it, you could kill the final boss right away. It would take you a really, really long time, and the game wouldn't register that you were in the end game. So I killed John Bernthal at level 30 when you needed to be like a level 100-something, and I had the Terminator weapons, I, if I remember correctly, to kill him with. Yeah, wasn't it like a pulse rifle or something yeah, to kill them? Yeah, with? it was a pulse rifle, a bunch of hand grenades, and, and landmines. And isn't that the game where, where you had the AI caught and it was running in circles? Yes, and that was like, I wish I could put the Benny Hill music where, behind it. Where, where, which is funny because the previous game from two years earlier had less bugs. Yeah, it had less <laughs> bugs and had the Predator. So a bunch of random yeah. 80s icons showing up in these games, which, random. Which is fun. And the other game that I know that has uh there's information coming out that there's another crew game the crew whatever oh, I'm so the racing sick of those. i know ex- this is the thing you know it's people think that oh like final fantasy we're happy to see because it takes so long to come out but these their games are getting to the point where they're the same fucking game every goddamn time and uh hopefully ghost recon's a little different this time but this probably won't be <laughs> Uh, then again who knows if they come out and say hey we're completely changing up it's all the same game franchises but if they have like a ubisoft forward or whatever they called their directs and we see three different let's say we see three games from them from their franchises and they're finally different looking it could completely change their their entire you know stock outlook i mean like okay you want to impress the ever-living shit out of me alex for fuck sakes splinter cell remaster remake whatever you can even bring back the old guy i would love michael ironside i don't even care if it's the guy from the other game they remember they announced that game and it hasn't been canceled it's just having development trouble like fuck show me a trailer give me a teaser just show the tri-goggles or something they made the mistake of of talking about this game that they're making and it was the first one where they're like hey it's going to be single player again we're going to do it constrained it's going to be a linear story that's all great and the problem is they're probably three years out like i just want a good tom clancy i mean you know one franchise that was abandoned by them was um there they did a flight game and i thought it was quite fun uh, yeah where the hell's that franchise? And wasn't there was 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 there other one like Ruse or what was the rise of some, or Future Soldier stu- or whatever? No, you're thinking of For Honor. Not For Honor. I'm thinking of Tom Clancy's something or other, and it had like the general on the front of it. Oh, had, like missiles. Right. Um. Shit. I'm typing in Ubisoft games right now because <laughs> I've I've got to I've got to figure it out because they there was that period on the PS3 where everything was a Tom Clancy game. Yep um that's not necessarily a bad thing but total war or something i think their biggest problem is ubisoft relies on they call it an ubisoft original but how can it be original if it's based on a a franchise that they don't own and you know (laughs) what i want a good single player well done storyline of rainbow six rainbow six siege it's fine it's a competitive multiplayer shooter my friend fuya plays it um great rainbow six extraction I wanted to like it. I really did. But I don't want to be fighting plague zombies as a fucking opera. You're not the last of us. You're not left for dead. Yeah. Like, come on, man. So, 
so Ghost Recon started in uh, 2002. I think that was the first one that they did of, uh, of that. Yep, and it was on the Xbox. Tom Clancy. So on the Splinter Cell, I'm trying to see if there's any other Tom Clancy properties that they've dropped because those would be the easiest for them to license and continue forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. Okay, so we're there because it, it would have been probably in the PS3 era. So I'm just fast forwarding to 2006 onward. And they, they had a lot more games back then. Like, like, and not just of the Tom Clancy games. They had a lot of things that were not Tom Clancy. Um, so, and then Splinter Cell, Rain, give us another Rayman, like a, like a new, like a third Rayman in that cool new art style. Give us that. Uh, so Rainbow Six, is Rainbow Six like the only thing that they have that's still popular? Yeah. And it gets constant updates at least once or twice a quarter. There's like a new operator. There's always events going on. There's the big Rainbow Six tournament that happens in North America and in Europe. Like it's still huge on the competitive scene. Like people still stream the crap out of it on Twitch. There are Rainbow Six competitive teams in esports. It's huge. But I want Rainbow Six games like Raven Shield, Rogue Spear, uh, stuff like that. What happened? What happened to Brothers in Arms? I think that was EA, wasn't it? No, that's that's them. Get the fuck out of here. I didn't know that. Exactly. Like, See, this is the problem. It's been like 15 years, right? Uh, Tom Clancy's End War. That's it, End War. And End War was one of them. There was another one. Uh, Future Soldier what, or something? End War was a strategy game. Yeah, I'd be fine with and that. And then we had, what else was there? Uh Tom Clancy's Hawks was right around the exact same time. Uh, Did that World in- game ever come out where you could play as the different Ubisoft heroes? No, they canceled that. Okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, World in Conflict, Soviet Assault, that was one of theirs. Wheelman. Yeah, that game was fun. I'd be okay. I'd rather uh, have that than the fucking crew. Remember uh, Tenchu, uh, Shadow Assassins. Good game. Hard as shit. Call of Juarez. Yeah, that game should get a resurrection uh we can't count turtles because they don't have the license for that anymore yeah um but they made a couple turtles games back in the day uh then they had they had the sean white snowboarding games (laughs) which i Uh, actually had that game ubisoft sent me one the version that was out on the wii that became incredibly rare i remember getting a press copy oh yeah and i don't know whatever happened to it but i did have it so uh well, obviously, Prince of Persia has been pushed back, but, you know, because they had to redo it. Mm-hmm. So there was Hawks 2. Yeah, Ruse, uh, with the generals in the front of it. R, like, it was all like, e Real-time strategy. They used to do real-time strategy games. Um, then there's uh, The Settlers was their franchise. Uh, I'm, I'm Now I'm looking at more modern, like, 2010s onward. That, like, their, their period of, like, AAA supremacy, because early 2000s that was all new like they had some cool games but like as far as being like a high-end triple a company was somewhere between 2009 and like 2014 maybe basically i think they peaked with assassin's creed syndicate now that being said when assassin's creed origins came out it shook up the franchise and it's not to say that the other assassin's creed games weren't good they just weren't at the same level that the other games were because after the debacle that was unity which was a fine game when it worked it wasn't black flag they also did the driver games yeah so like like their franchises that they could dive into to fill the gap uh and i'm not talking just like here's a a coat of paint on it like 
you have franchises you and obviously you could make new franchises but they're in a situation right now financially where they're so scared of a hostile takeover or shutting down they kind of need to dig into franchises they they know could be hits and having a new rayman is a no-brainer kids need new games too yeah and honestly if you put a new rayman out on all the modern consoles hell even if you made it a switch exclusive I'm pretty sure it would sell. If you had Rayman Rabbids Adventure, and if you did it kind of like the Rayman that was on the PS Vita, I think it would sell. Yeah, of course it would. Like, like they just, they had been averse to doing changes or doing things that were any different. They basically had two game engines. They're like, we have this crazy open world, crazy, crazy game engine that we use for all of our... Uh, Far Cries. Like, all, all, all their Far... No, not even that. Like, all, all of the... the assassin's creeds and then all the far cries all the ghost recons uh because those are the only two and maybe they might use a modified version use the same game engine mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a second let's the second engine then they had a third sort of style one that they used for uh like like just for Siege um, and whatnot. well uh, yeah but th- that's yeah that's sort of a separate but it's a heavily modified one and then they had one for um what's uh the division mm-hmm which that's a franchise uh, I don't think they should abandon. Well, the problem was first game was really good. Second game was more of the same, but not as good. And fucking way too hard. Yeah, it became very much, we want to take up 90% of your gaming time. You can't. Here's what I don't get. Why would a gaming company put out games where their sole purpose is play only this one game? Because then they're hurting their own games. You know, like, why would I buy two Ubisoft titles when each one wants all of my attention yeah i mean like i used to log into far cry 6 all the time just to get my like daily bonuses and all that shit i used to play um other ubisoft titles so i could get the ubisoft uplay points which i still think is a really fun system by the way yeah it's, it's it's not bad and i still whenever i get a game and i play it and i earn it that's great so i'm looking here at their the last here is the last year I would consider to be their hits where, where before diminishing returns started to happen. Mm-hmm. 2013. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 10 years. Because you know what came out 10 years ago? Black flag. And, uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Blacklist. That was a fucking fantastic game. Ray, Rayman Legends. Yep, good game. Uh, Just Dance 2014, whatever. That was still at the peak of its height, right? Yep. Or, um, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yep, for sure, 100%. And what else came out that year? Um, and it's weird. It's not like the Assassin's Creed. And, oh, oh, and it was pushed. It was pushed but it was supposed to come out in 2013 south park the stick of truth yeah so that that was and then child of light that was their indie title which was great hard pick a game uh and again a game that was pushed that was part of the 2013 original docket was watchdogs yeah which is another franchise 
I really like the Watch Dogs games. Like Watch Dogs Two is one of my all time favorites. Problem prob- problem with Watch Dogs the third game was they tried to pigeonhole that new engine, that engine they used for everything into it, and its storyline wasn't as cohesive as you wanted it to be. Yeah, and and uh, just looking uh, at twenty third or end of twenty twelve was also Assassin's Creed Three. So within a fourteen month period, they had some of the best games. Uh, also, that that Zombie U the, that was the the tech demo, for the more movie. or less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Far Cry 3. Yeah. Which was what set the tone for everything, right? So literally, like a 14-month period between 2012 and the beginning of 2014 was the peak. Everything since then used the same engines to uh, for every single game moving forward. And that's where they, they started screwing up. So they had a 10-year decline. And they didn't realize it. I think they didn't realize till the ship was already too far into the iceberg. Yeah. Now, supposedly this new uh, Tom Clancy game, I'm just going to kind of summarize the article here. Earliest 2024, you better get something on the books for this year and it better knock our fucking socks off. Yeah. Like I've got it pulled up here just to be safe. Here's what they've got coming. Uh, The Settlers New Allies is getting a Windows release in February. Skull and Bones. We'll see. It's no longer March. It's been pushed. So that's been pushed. Assassin's Creed Mirage is on the books for 2023, but with no date. Probably holiday, if I had to guess. Um, I think there's, I think Anno something or other is getting a console release next month. And they did that very short notice, but only on Xbox Series X and PS5 because it's right. It's one of those. Well, it's not just that. I don't think it can run on previous gens because it's one of those, um, like, civilization style um you know those kind of games and they're super graphically intensive even though you wouldn't think so it's because there's like a hundred thousand little sprites moving on the screen at once mm-hmm. uh so you know and it's easier to, to not have to port right <laughs> so they've got that coming what they need to do to make some real cash is they need to make a deal with microsoft for microsoft to be like hey we're gonna do a rap we're gonna do another not a rabbits we're gonna do a rayman game and microsoft's like if Microsoft is like, we will buy it for, you know, for Game Pass, for like exclusivity in perpetuity. Yeah, like put out some really g- good games, generate some really good will within your community. Yeah. The Uplay service, it's a cool idea, but it never caught on. Okay, here. So yeah, Assassin's Creed Mirage 2023 with no date attached to it. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora was supposed to come out when the movie came out. It's been pushed a full year. Yeah, that's... How, what good is what could you, like you could say oh the movie's doing great nobody's gonna care about the game. Suppo- when is the sequel supposed to come out like uh-huh. next year i want to say the because se- i think i know that film two and three back to back yeah so it, it's possible and i think they said that like yeah I, I think that's it yeah and then mighty quest 2 which is an android game 2023 who gives a sh- track track mania sometime in 2023 that game was fun. uh and then here's what the so that that's it 2023 with no dates they only have dates until march and, and and even the march one got pushed so they don't have any dates uh here's what they've got listed on the books two assassin's creed games one for oculus one for android no date and not even shown footage assassin's creed codename jade another ios nobody's gonna play those games on on mobile uh, assassin's creed project hexi uh no date assassin's creed project red that's the the japanese one no date beyond good and evil 2 that i guarantee you is dead even though they're saying it's not yeah that game will never come out stop it 
unless it's the one guy in a closet somewhere in Singapore so, scribbling on a page. I think it was announced 17 years ago. Oh, easily. Um, uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, that will come out because they moved it to Ubisoft Montreal from the dreadful. You saw the trailers, how bad it looked when it was being made in India. Yeah. And I feel bad for the developers there. I hope they got paid okay. But they basically went, hey, your game is so shit that we have to cancel the entire release and start from scratch. Which is so unfortunate. And they, like, and it's But it's Ubisoft Montreal, and it's not re- remaking the wheel, right? Like, they're not making it into that new engine. They're making it like the original game. or So is that because of that, you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, even if Mirage doesn't do well, and who knows, that's, that's going to be hit or miss. But I think Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time remake, being done by Ubisoft Montreal is going to be good. Um, then you've got Rainbow Six Mobile. Nobody wants that. Uh, then the Splinter Cell remake by Ubisoft Toronto. And whether or not it sells well, who knows, because Ubisoft Toronto's games have not sold well. Um, they did uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist, uh, but they also did uh, Starlink, which I fucking loved. Uh, and then they, they're they the ones that did the newest uh, Watch Dogs. Why are they not doing a star fox game in this in the starlink engine because they're not good at negotiating with nintendo which is so unfortunate (laughs) but yeah so the splinter cell made in toronto is going to be good yeah we know that Mm. we um but again that's probably three or four years away which blows Uh, then there's uh tom clancy's the division heartland the hell's that that, the next division Uh... when's that going to come tom clancy's the division resurgence a mobile version no stop project project u whatever that is for windows no date x defiant that is i think that that's the that's the free-to-play multiplayer one you were asking about i think that was one of the canceled titles i want to say so yeah oh and untitled star wars game to be announced i think i think there there was something about that in in the news recently i seem to recall that i think they said that that wasn't canceled yeah because how can you not make money off Star Wars games? Yeah, especially if um, you said it. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that Star Wars game is set specifically during the man, the Mandalorian timeline. And I'll tell you, like, the only hit that they've had since 2020 that I would say is an actual hit hit. Far Cry 6 and Valhalla? No. What? Nope. You're forgetting the one. Which one? Phoenix Rising. Oh, yeah. The game that everybody thought was great, but nobody bought. Precisely. Which sucks because that game is wonderful. Exactly. Like that that is probably the best game that they've released. Immortals Phoenix Rising is the best game that they've released since 2016. And honestly, folks, if you see that game at your local GameStop or if you see it on Amazon for like 15 bucks, grab it. It's seriously a good time. It it takes the Assassin's Creed engine and actually makes it work. It's Assassin's Creed Kid Icarus. Assassin's Creed Kid Icarus meets uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, like it's ridiculously fun and it's challenging at times. It is a, a collectathon at times, but it never really insults your intelligence. Yeah, and it's Ubisoft Quebec. Like, we don't know what their next project is, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've announced. Um, they are, yeah, they don't have anything announced. So who knows what they're working on? Maybe they're one of the teams working on one of the new strategic things. But yeah, I know this went a little longer than expected, but like we need to see something from the studio or don't be surprised if in the next two years they don't exist. Yeah, it's just not a good time. And then like how many, like how many 50,000 people or more might be out of work? 
Yeah. Like, so Ubisoft, it's kind of, it's kind of, long story short, it's kind get of your shit together. Ubisoft, get your shit together. Uh, the ease going on. Maybe he should step down and they should have a different CEO instead of the family just running everything. Cause you know, they got 20,000 employees that are very talented and they've just been kind of put to waste the last five years. Mm-hmm. So our next story comes courtesy of SuperheroHype.com. Next, Netflix shares new details for Power Ranger and anniversary special. In case 90s kids needed another reason to feel old, the Power Rangers franchise is turning 30 this year, and Netflix is celebrating the heroes' enduring impact with a special anniversary presentation that reunites several fan favorite cast members on screen. This spring, the streaming service via Entertainment Weekly will air Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always, a brand new adventure that honors the series past while looking ahead to its future. The special was previously announced in October of last year. Perhaps most notably, it marked the return of David Yost, Walter Emmanuel Jones as Billy Cranston and Zach Taylor, the original Blue and Black Rangers. Jones only appeared in the show's inaugural seasons. However, Yost holds the distinction of being the longest tenured original cast member. He remained with the franchise from its series premiere in 1993 until his departure in 1996. It seemed like a lot longer to me. According to the official uh, Oh, well, you know why? It's because remember, was it seasons one and two were like he ungodly long? Yeah, he got written out during Zio, where he went to a planet because he was affected with an aging virus or something. Oh, that was so yeah, so weird. But, but I, I mean, it was it was behind the scenes dubious bad shit that was the reason that obviously he left. There was problems with homophobia and all that on the set at the time, and and whatnot, and clashes and so on and so forth, and. Was, yeah, was he the, the last of the original Rangers to leave? Yep, he was, because uh, after that, it became, after Zio, it became Turbo, and then Turbo switched out all the cast except for Jason David Frank, and even he left, and then it went to In Space, and then that was the end of the Zordon era, and then we didn't see Jason David Frank until Dino Thunder for that show's run, and then that was it until dimensions in danger which was ninja steel i want to say or dino i can't remember then jason david frank came back with some yeah, of the other rangers there was something yeah because if you look the original mighty morphin uh had 145 episodes in three years so those are long seasons yeah that was were long seasons that's so like when you're saying longest tenure it's like it seems like it was longer it seems like it was longer because most shows had 22 episodes a season and they had like 50 yeah so uh, uh according to the official description once and always finds finds the rangers coming face to face with a familiar threat from the past in the midst of, of a global crisis they are called upon once again to be the heroes the world needs inspired by the legendary mantra from the franchise once a ranger always a ranger once and always reminds everyone when you become a ranger you will always be a part of the ranger family and always well welcome is is the bad guy like you know what the, is, the twist should be mm. that it's not lord zed or rita it's Ivan Ooze. <laughs> I think there's going to be something going on with that. Um, it's, who, who's the bad guy? Ivan Ooze. would be like, all right, wait, who's the bad guy? They're, I don't know. Have them fight Ronald Reagan or something. <laughs> so uh, Yost and Jones aren't the only former Rangers suiting up for the special. The episode will also feature in 
feature Catherine Sutherland, who played Cat Hillard, the second Pink Ranger, Steve Cardenas, Rocky DeSantos, the second Red Ranger, Karen Ashley, uh, Aisha Campbell, the second Yellow Ranger, and Johnny Young Bosch, Adam Park, the second Black Ranger. Uh, Barbara Goodson and Richard Horvitz will both be reprising their role, uh, reprising their voice roles as Rita Repulsa and Alpha Five, respectively. Plus, the special will introduce. Was that the first Alpha or the second Alpha that sounded like crap? I think that's the second one. Uh, where, where, where it sounded a little too high pitched. <laughs> yeah. Plus, the special will introduce Charlie Kirsch as Ming, uh, the daughter of Trini, aka the original Yellow Ranger. Trini's actress Thuy Trang died in a car accident in 2001. Unfortunately, Once and Always is rele- is releasing at a bittersweet time in Power Rangers history. Just last fall, uh, Jason David Frank, who is best known for playing Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, had arguably become the face of the franchise during the 90s heyday, passed away at the age of 49. It is unclear if in Frank managed to shoot any footage before his death. Regardless, it seems like a safe bet the special will be dedicated to his memory. Now, that being said, there was a, a trailer released on youtube this past week there's a green ranger in tommy's costume i hope they don't do something tacky like put like a cg face no on it or something. i hope if it is if it is jason david frank in a surprise cameo that'd be great but he did say in an interview last year i think last spring he said i've done enough for the franchise i want to focus on doing my own thing and that's the legend of the white dragon which i saw some of the footage of it actually looks kind of cool it, it kind of cool, but it's still going to look cheap, unfortunately. Well, yeah, because of the budget. Not, 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 not to any fault of their own. It's just they really don't have the money to do it. Yeah, so I'm hoping what will happen is uh, Trini's daughter. I hope she's gifted the dragon power coin. It's been recharged over the last 30 years, and they say, we need a new Green Ranger, and you're it, kid. That's what I hope. And I hope, and it's, it's kind of funny because in some of the behind the scenes footage, they actually bring back a thing that was only ever featured a handful of times. Once for sure, they brought back Billy's rad bug, which was the flying fucking car is back. So that's, that's a deep cut. Do you notice somebody else is missing from that list? Who? Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amy Jo Johnson. Amy Jo Johnson and that, that she she made a comment that she wasn't going to be in it. I guess I they, maybe either they didn't invite her or whatever. But part of that is going to be that most of the other actors are situated in the states, and she's American, but she's actually lived here in Toronto since like the mid two thousand. Because I think she did Flashpoint, um, right? Yeah, yeah. She she moved here to film Flashpoint, which was like the biggest cop show 
like not just that like it was one of the biggest shows in like canadian history like they were getting like millions of viewers and then it had that cbs broadcast where it did quite well down there mm-hmm. and then she liked it so much up here that she stayed and she's actually got her citizenship uh so she's got dual citizenship but she lives here and she directs tv shows now yeah so it's probably a conflicting like like she i think she filmed some episodes for uh superman and lois and a couple other shows in bc and some in toronto so like she's basically transitioned into being a director and probably just couldn't do it well yeah and i know the other guy the other red ranger uh austin st john he did something for power rangers last year isn't he imprisoned no he is under investigation for something involving covid funds and that's probably why he wasn't invited probably not yeah because he you know we could, we would invite you but you might be in prison yeah. by the time the show was filming like you know what i mean yeah plus it's you have to probably not a good idea plus you have to fly to new zealand it is a large commitment to even film well, a cameo this well here's here's what i'm saying by that if you're under indictment you might not be allowed to fly yeah cuz you're considered so, a flight risk flight risk like like literally like you're not in jail but you might be on a no flight you know list until the investigation is completed so there's that and then i you know obviously i I honestly think amy joe johnson's case she probably was asked but she might not be able to fly because of her commitments to actually filming stuff yeah she's probably just busy so i hope it's good i am going to contact netflix probably in march and say hey you let me see other stuff early do me a solid here. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe don't ask. Can I see your shit early, please? <laughs> Just don't use that. Don't use that word because not everybody's going to get that what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, our final story this week and a follow up to last week, uh, last week's natural one. Uh, this is being reported by Gizmodo. Dungeons and Dragons new OGL will be irrecov- irrevocably. I can't pronounce that word and bring mechanics to create irrevocably. Irrevocably. <laughs> Uh, so they're going to bring it back to Creative Commons, which is a huge win. So Dungeons & Dragons released a statement last week saying the future of its open gaming license will include its core rules being placed under the purview of Creative Commons. The Creative Commons is a, quote, not non-for-profit dedicated to sharing knowledge and developed with a set of licenses to let creators do that, uh, says the newest update from Kyle Brink, the executive producer of Dungeons & Dragons. This decision is a direct response to a lot of the fans that the community had after uh, io9 reported on the initial OGL draft, uh, 1.1 draft on January 5th. The uh, Creative Commons license will cede Wizards of the Coast control over the base rules and mechanics of D&D to the non-profit that stewards the license, which means Dungeons & Dragons and Wizards of the Coast will be unable to touch it and will be unable to revoke it. Likewise, content that goes beyond the remit remit of using the core rules will fall under a new OGL dubbed 1.2, which will contain specific language denoting the license is irrecoverably as you might say, a massive pressure point for creators who use the original OGL 1.0. Or do you, or, or, or do you mean irrevocable? Whatever. Uh, and sorry, I can't pronounce <laughs> Irre- the words. Okay, irrevocable, meaning they cannot remove it. Yeah, and we're worried about the implications of the 30-day termination clause in the original OGL 1.1. Additionally, the statement says there will be no, quote, royalty payment, no financial reporting, no license back, no registration, no distinction between commercial and non-commercial. All these things were contested in the draft 
draft OGL 1.1 primarily because they were not in the OGL 1.0 and such quote strings attached contracts deliberately go against the ethos of open gaming as described in the okay. open gaming you, foundation. You honestly don't have to read the rest. This is panic mode. Yeah. This this a direct this response. A direct response panic mode. It doesn't matter. Damage is done. Yeah. Now like they 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 do not I don't think that they get or maybe they do get that they're not ever winning over the, the the people that got mad at them now but what they're doing is they're putting a cap on it saying we can't hemorrhage anymore yeah now brink says kyle brink who's the executive over he says quote what Dungeons and dragons is going for here is giving good faith creators the same level of freedom or greater for the rule set in creative commons to create ttrpg content that has been so great forever and while giving us the tools to ensure the game continues to become ever more inclusive and welcoming uh and then i'm just going to read this final part and then i'm done the comment comes to create an irrevocable fuck i can't pronounce this word irrevocable irrevocable license you know you know what, you know what i'm gonna do michael yeah certain big words if you find a big word or not a big word even a latin word or something crazy yeah highlight it for me beforehand i will record my voice or a synonym buy me a synonym <laughs> Oh, I'll get you some, some, some cinnamon. Fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> no, what we should do is have a, a, a soundboard where you can press a button and it just has my voice talk like this over top of what you're saying. <laughs> so the comment comes to create an irrevocable license under the creative commons foundation it seems like a good step towards making that happens and it would not have occurred in if dungeons and dragons creators influenced fans and third-party publishers had not universally come together to reject the proposed open gaming license 1.1 yeah this is something that youtube videos were made on they actually had a copyright lawyer legal eagle mike did a video on it which is a wonderful 20 minute overview of what happened well and what he pointed out long story short was that their document wouldn't have been legal anyway yeah like it falls into such a gray area that arguing it eh, you may not think you're as strong as you think well well and arguing it 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 fell into a category of an unenforceable law or unenforceable contract that you know basically what he said was they would just hope that that the party suing them or that they were suing wouldn't have enough money to fight it in court Mm -hmm. and then paizo said that they were going to gather people together and they were going to crowdfund money to fight it in court yeah they basically gathered and they're like and they're like oh shit we potentially have a million dollar lawsuit against this and i don't mean a million dollar like we're asking for a million dollars we're talking million dollars in lawyer fees lawsuit to drag it out yeah like this was going to get ugly no matter what so and it's been Kind of, I, I wouldn't say leaked, but this is the final year for a D&D 5th edition. There's a new set of core rule books coming out next year, but this year we'll see the well, release of yeah, Planescape, you, which is a huge you, setting. You think it's coming out next year, or are they going to have to change a lot because it was reliant on the new SRD being compliant with this new license? They've got everything pretty much set in stone that next year we okay. will see new stuff. So this year... They, but they're they're going to have to change things at the printing press pretty quickly, though, if, if it references this new document that was supposed to exist. Yeah, so this year sees a bunch of new splat books. They're going to introduce a Fandelver, I think, campaign setting, which was the first adventure, which was Lost Minds of Fandelver. They're going to do Planescape as a full campaign setting, very similar to the Spelljammer set that came out that I think I recommended during our holiday gift guide. So yeah. we're still going to be... And, 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 oh, sorry. Go yeah, I was going to say, sorry, I'm trying to interrupt, but I, I feel like we have to uh, co- reference this again and say, hey, what we're, we're saying is 
support the people making the books. It has nothing to do with them with a few bad eggs at the executive level. So, you know, boycotting them at this point, boycotting the individual books is not going to help anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, boy, but boycotting, boy, boycotting the business as a whole has already made some changes. Obviously, support other people, but don't take us reviewing the games as supporting the executive yeah exactly like if i like a book by a certain author i'm going to tell you that it's a fine adventure it's a great addition to your campaign because for example i'm really looking forward to planescape that has such a cool idea i want to see the lady of pain in dnd 5e but i don't support shitty decisions that fuck over people and there's other like there's that new game license was an open rpg or, license yeah. or whatever the yeah uh uh from paizo that that chaosium uh and cobalt uh, Green Run, cobalt and green running and so and others have gotten on board with and there's another one too um i forget who's who's making that one but free league's got one yeah there's another open game license one that's going to be very similar modifius i um, think has one too that new company what was it uh evil not evil hat it was like evil something or other i think we've been in contact with them they're they're publishing new games based on like franchises like like highlander and stuff mm-hmm. um evil something or other evil head maybe or something like that and they and a few other people are publishing another one like other companies are basically taking their licenses and making some public versions of it themselves and then there's the big one from paizo and the big company so like we're gonna have the best part the best thing that came out of this is every other company is now making their licenses open to basically say fuck you yeah it's gonna be (laughs) if 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 you don't want to go with 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 you know if you're going to treat people like that then guess what we're not going to keep our license proprietary and we're going to have people making splat books for our games yeah so wizards of the coast did some real damage to their brand this week they've got a movie coming out in a few short weeks um i actually got some toys from that i got the gelatinous cube which i'm kind of looking forward to breaking into um and did you know that through the public records that uh D D specifically and magic make up 75 percent of all of the running uh not just profit running revenue to keep hasbro afloat doesn't surprise me because transformers and, and all that stuff t- doesn't sell enough compared to y- this stuff yeah and you think the movies but the movies remember they're not producing the movies they're just licensing. The movies are being, yes they're licensed you think that they're they have their name on it paramount puts up the money for the transformers movies almost entirely yeah and and you know uh, it paramount is paying for a lot of things and universal and other companies that they work with for different movie projects so they're like they're getting some percentage of profits but they're not getting the lion's share of profits from the movies Mm -hmm. and if the movies fail because of their actions they won't get those licensing deals anymore yeah so this is why they are legitimately panicking because the toys don't sell two franchises from wizards of the coast are what keep hasbro the uh, the the giant corporation afloat oh yeah so so i'll tell you what happened you know somebody from hasbro at the top had a phone call to uh to the heads of wizards of the coast and the phone call started with what the fuck did you do yeah fix this and and not even not even starting with fixes i guarantee you the first lines were what the fuck did you do 
because they woke up one morning and saw the stock market, their, their stock prices go down, or they didn't wake up one morning. They probably got a call at seven in the morning, you know, or their time, 10 a.m. or whatever, East Coast, and they went, and the call was, we just lost a billion dollars. Well, it got to, it, it like got to a point from what I've heard reported that there were so many D and D beyond subscriptions canceled. It crashed the website. Yeah. It, it wasn't a case of them taking the site down because some companies will do that when they're afraid. Mm-hmm. It was the, the traffic was so much that they, they didn't have enough server support. Yeah. And there were so many big content creators coming out and saying something and it's still trending on Twitter. So so it's like literally like I'm not joking that there was a call to the CEO with a guarantee you from their boss at the head company saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. What did you do? Like, it's one thing to want to monetize and help us. It's another thing to entirely tank our business. Yeah. So I'm hoping in the future this will do better. Like, I'm I'm hoping things will get better. I mean, I'm still going to cover D&D stuff on the show if it's fun. Like I said, my next stuff is some toys, which is completely separate which is from the separate division again hasbro has nothing to do there are separate business units that have different ceos Mm -hmm. it's just hasbro is the one paying the bills yeah so 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 when you're reviewing something toy from hasbro it does not reflect wizards of the coast unless you're reviewing a wizards of the coast toy yeah like like i said i do have some dnd stuff i have a dnd toy from the cartoon from the 1980s which is really fantastic and i have a gelatinous cube from honor among thieves yeah which i saw some of the honor among thieves toys with the license likenesses of hugh grant and chris pine and i'll say this on the show i'm glad i didn't get those review yeah but and again uh, diff- cool. different different division all entirely yeah, different division <laughs> so anyway guys speaking of toys we're actually going to be talking about a hasbro toy which i think is something you should probably check out if you're a collector and you missed these um initial molds when they were initially available i'm going to be talking about the transformers buzzworthy bumblebee creatures collide multi-pack you can get this from a variety of retailers but in canada it is a toys r us exclusive so i'm gonna say autobots transform and roll out or maybe predacons terrorize we'll be back guys right after this only on thisweekingeek.net back i'm better than ever look at this new paint job i've gone beyond being just plain old bumblebee i'm a gold bug (laughs) that you are bumblebee so from now on that's exactly who you'll be gold bug hey guys this is mike the birdman here and i'm going to be talking to you about something really cool we got from our friends over at hasbro i'm talking about the transformers legacy buzzworthy bumblebee creatures collide multi-pack this features autobot gold bug ransack sky wasp and finally predacon scorponok so normally i am not a big fan of repacks and redecos it's just not my jam however This multi-pack kind of changed my feelings on this, mostly because uh, I never got a chance to get the original Bumblebee uh, alt mode, like the actual Volkswagen alt mode, uh, when this originally came out, like a couple of years ago. And I know there's one from the Shattered Glass line. I don't have that one either. So having Goldbug, when he becomes this uh, character at the very end of G1, was kind of cool, and I didn't expect it to look as neat as it did. The other figures are redecos of some previous releases, 
But what sets them apart is some of them, or actually all of them except Goldbug, have new head sculpts that you can interchange out. And in the case of Scorponok, is toy accurate to the toy that came out in the 90s. And that's really cool. Uh, so you get Ransack, who is a Predacon, and you can put back on like a different head that looks very close to um, a recolored kickback head, if you want to do that. Sky Wasp is Waspinator, but you can put a different kind of monster-looking head on him. And then finally you get Scorponok, and he has like a different uh, head that looks kind of like uh, the Mutant Head, which I think that's what those were called uh, from the original uh, 90s vintage toy. So the one that I really like, and I didn't expect to like this figure as much as I did, I like Ransack. I'm actually a really big fan of the uh, Insecticons because I bought Kickback on a whim. I was literally out shopping and I'm thinking, you know what? I want to do some self-care today. I want a Transformer, right? I Like, you know what? Birdman needs needs the smile today. So picking up Ransack I, er, in this pack, I knew he was a redeco, but he looks so sick. Those translucent yellow wings look awesome. And I also found out you can turn his, like, Energon blade weapons into, like, a thorax or, like, this, like, thigh piece or, like, thigh, or this, like, thoraxy uh, inner piece. That looks cool. So he's got this cool-looking abdomen. You can put his weapon uh, into his beast mode and he can still attack with it. Sky Wasp, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Waspinator mold from Kingdom. But I like the redeco on this. In fact, I have my Waspinator displayed in beast or in robot mode, and I keep Sky Wasp in beast mode because he actually does look kind of cool. And I want to say they did this in the original Beast Wars line. I can't remember because it's been like a million years since, since I've had those toys. And Predacon Scorponok. This is actually kind of funny. I actually had a deal on Facebook Marketplace this week, and I got the redeco which is Sandstorm. So as it stands in my personal display, I have Scorponok displayed in his robot mode and I have Sandstorm displayed as the Scorpion. And they look really cool together. I mean, like, if you've had these figures before, like I said, with the Autobot Goldbug, he's basically the Netflix version from a couple years ago. Really simple. The Transform, he's kind of got that, like, Cliff Jumper, uh, Earthrise Cliff Jumper, or the Studio Series 86 giant big ass gun. Like I said, Ransack is essentially kickback with a different head. Though the head that he does ha have that isn't the alternate head, I think looks amazing. Like those giant red bug eyes look so cool. Sky Wasp, if I had one complaint, it's that his beast mode feels a little weird uh, and he's a little findly, but I do like him overall. Scorponok in those colors looks amazing. That purple, it shines right through. And such a neat detail. If you watch the original 90s t TV show, on his missiles, he had little maximal symbols. Those are here. That is so flipping cool. That is an attention to detail that I'm really glad Hasbro went out of their way to go and do. Now, the price point on this bad boy, not going to lie, it is a little bit high, but you're essentially getting four um, deluxe class figures 
Uh, and the price is going to vary where you go. In Canada, this is a Toys R Us exclusive, but you can always watch out for sales. If you happen to live anywhere uh, in the United States, you can always go to Hasbro Pulse uh, if they still have it in stock, or you can look with your favorite third-party retailer. Do I recommend this? Honestly, I think every figure in here, with the maybe the lone exception of Sky Wasp, is a winner. Goldbug, fantastic figure if you miss it the first time around. This is a pretty cool reincarnation of that G1 character. Kind of crappy we didn't get an alternate head sculpt for him. Maybe you could just kind of slip that in there. I'm sure somebody has a third-party head that you could pop onto this body. I'm sure that exists. Ransack. Kickback is one of my favorite figures. And getting another Insecticon, I think it's just cool. I'm hoping somebody does Chop Shop if that's a thing. So please, Hasbro Gods, if you happen to be listening. Sky Wasp, if you missed Waspinator and you don't you know don't happen to find Buzzsaw in my local Walmart, there's like tons of them. Uh, this is a pretty cool redeco of him. I love that purple and that red, especially with like those big yellow uh, insect eyes. I'm sure there's a word for it. And then Scorponok. He looks like the toy. He looks like he did on the show Beast Wars or Beasties. We happen to happen to live in Canada. Honestly, the Creatures Collide multi-pack, it, it blew me away in more ways that, that I expected. These toys are not hard to transform. The posability is fantastic. I am so glad to have these guys now. So ultimately, the buzzworthy Bumblebee Creatures Collide multi-pack. You cannot go wrong. Check this out from either Toys R Us in Canada or your favorite third-party retailer. I don't think you're going to go wrong if you missed out on these fantastic figures the first time around. Scorpidoc terrorize! Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria! Thank you for saving us from Renegade Cybertronians. That was me, and that was my review uh, coming to us from Hasbro about a really cool Transformers multi-pack. Be sure to check out your local Toys R Us or other online retailers if you want to find more about that. Okay, so this first story that is here on the weird news, the strange things that happened around the, around the big blue marble this week, this one comes courtesy of the BBC, and Australia's Toadzilla, a record-breaking cane tone, cane toad rather, has been found in Queensland. A cane toad so giant, wildlife officers thought it was fake has been found in a northern australian rainforest the quote monster specimen is six times bigger than the average toad weighs 2.7 kilograms and could break a world record dubbed 2.7 kilograms is like six or seven pounds yeah it's huge like trust me if you see this thing dubbed toadzilla the animal was quickly placed in a container and removed from the wild toads which were first introduced to australia in 1935 are one of the country's most damaging pests and now estimate to number in the hundreds of millions when park ranger kylie gray first spotted the massive amphibian while out on patrol in queensland she couldn't believe her eyes quote i've never seen anything so big she told the australian broadcasting corporation it looked almost like a football with legs so we dubbed it toadzilla her team isn't you see this is what happens when bart simpson ends up bringing a toad over <laughs> 
Because you remember that episode? I do. Knifey Spoonie. Um, so her team quickly <laughs> captured Toadzilla, believed it to be a female, and returned to base to weigh her. They knew it would be heavy, but were surprised to find she could set a new world record. The current Guinness world record for the largest toad, 2.65 kilograms, was set by a pet toad in Sweden named Prinsen in 1991. Miss Gray said the giant specimen likely bulked out on a diet of insects, reptiles, and small mammals. A cane toad that size will eat anything it can fit into its mouth she said toads have no natural predators in australia and the poisonous species have been have wrought havoc on native animal populations miss gray isn't sure how old toadzilla is the species can live up to 15 years in the wild but but she believes this has been around for a quote long time toadzilla has since been euthanized as is standard practice in australia for the past and will be donated to the queensland yeah. museum why was this thing euthanized because it's not just an invasive species it's like killing their entire environment i think they should They're, have donated this to like a lab or something somewhere well they did or a zoo <laughs> i, I would have given this thing to a zoo they can't the law says kill them it, it's it well it, it's it, it makes sense like they're i get okay, it i know but i know, know pete i know pete is gonna be mad it's not cruel when them being there is a problem kills millions of their own species i just you know what i mean yeah i mean and i guess i'm not a huge fan of animals being kept in captivity but this would have been a fascinating animal to watch its life play like you could have learned yeah. so much from like this. like the natural predator natural predators for toads don't exist in nor well, in north there. america yeah i don't know what in north america it's it's birds yeah um it's certain types of birds will eat them um, which you, you think, well, like Australia has, has birds. They don't have birds that want to eat them because they're not part of their regular food. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what if we bring the birds over? You bring our birds over there and they're going to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to make it worse. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that's why they have a kill on site thing. It's like, and then, you know, that Simpsons episode of koala comes back on the plane. Right. <laughs> but not like a koala couldn't do much here because, you know, it, it, an invasive species only happens when they like, if the environment is beneficial to it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a koala ain't gonna last in our winter. Yeah, no, it's gonna basically <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like one it's, it's, cold it's not night's gonna, gonna get it. It's not gonna work like that. Now, I would like to see giant, uh, giant kangaroos come over here and try to box the fuck out of a moose. <laughs> I, could you imagine? I'm telling you, the moose. You, you'd think the moose ain't losing. But, you know, if the kangaroos are anything like the kangaroos and Warner Brothers, <laughs> could you imagine you saw a video, if you saw a video where a kangaroo, you know, uses its front legs to grab onto a moose and starts kicking the side of its legs. You know what's weird? You, you, or or even better, it goes up to like a oh, polar, well, actually, no, sorry, polar bear would just tear it to shreds. But like a, like a regular bear, because australia doesn't have bears no like you know they, you know they have the, the the joke is the drop bear that's the joke for all the tourists watch out if you go into the if you go into the forest the drop bear is going to get you like you know the, they don't exist right like they have and the tasmania has the tasmanian devils uh the tasmanian tigers are all dead uh but like they don't have bears like bears are you know china has bears and that bears are there's some in europe like there's different bears in european forests but like Bears are like really just a North America thing mm -hmm. for like the size and variety. So like when you see them, like I've always wanted to see like some of the biggest things in Australia or like what would happen if like a rhinoceros went up against a polar bear? I'm going to give it to the rhino. You'd, you'd think so. 
until you get one polar bear that's like, ah, uh-uh, fuck this shit. Because remember, there's videos of polar bears dragging whales out of the water. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It, it all depends on how pissed and how hungry the polar bear gets. Now, I don't know why, when you started talking about kangaroos, it brought up a really bizarre memory. So this past week on Facebook, I, I, I sometimes I, I like to repost stuff from a couple years ago if I see something particularly amusing. And for some reason this week, I remember a dream that I had and I wrote it down in the middle of the night, much like you do, Alex, when you have a strange dream and you text me immediately. Oh God. Yeah. And I wrote down, I am the Supreme being kangaroo Jack. No, I mean, I will destroy all that you hold dear and lay waste to vast swaths of land. Kangaroo Jack. No, I'm not goddamn kangaroo Jack. That was a dream where evidently, if you remember Dr. Terawatt, or, or he used to be called Dr. Holocaust, then Dr. Terawatt, now he's King for, Macbeth. For, for for some people are like, why? It's like, for obvious reasons, he realized that name might not be the most kosher. Yeah, so. If, if, you, if you catch my drift with what I just said. Yeah, so Connell changed his name. But so in this dream, Connell led a group of futuristic cult members who were led by uh, Morgan Webb, from G4 Tech TV, and she was part of a roller skating gang that patrolled the highways of Toronto. And what else? Oh, and he did that, he did have a horse that, that had a mustache. That checks out all of it. So yeah, that makes sense. That would happen. But yeah, I can't remember who I was talking to about being the supreme being and me arguing that they were kangaroo jack. That just came to memories. <laughs> so you're welcome. Thank but you. again. I still do want to see a kangaroo. Like, I want to see the look on a kangaroo's face when it sees a moose. Because <laughs> it would be like, what the fuck are you? And the moose would look at it and go, what the fuck are you? And they'd be like, what did you say to me, bro? And then it would be on. And it would be like the best video on YouTube ever. Animal Fight Club. Our- and and then, while, 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 like, uh, you know, a grizzly is just sitting on against a tree watching. <laughs> like, if that happened. It would blow my mind. It would blow the minds of everybody. Like just the bear watching them fight. Tax day is coming. Oh no! But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a three percent match, you can get up to a hundred ninety-five dollars for the twenty twenty-three tax year. Oh yeah! Sign up at Robinhood.com/boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. Three percent match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And the bear be like, "I got next." Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. The, no, the bear walks up and somehow has a quarter and just puts it on the tree trunk next to them. And it's like, "I got next." <laughs> Arcade style, bitch. There we go. So this next story, Alex found. This one comes courtesy of NBC News. The lights have been on at a Massachusetts school for over a year because no one can turn them off. Blame it on the (laughs) pandemic and, quote, supply chain issues, says the school's district assistant superintendent of finance. Uh, For nearly nearly a year and a half, a Massachusetts high school has been lit 
up around the clock because the district can't turn off the roughly 7,000 lights in the sprawling building. The lighting system was installed by Minchang Regional High School when it was built over a decade ago, and it was intended to save money and energy. But ever since the software it runs failed on August 24, 2021, the lights in the Springfield suburb school have been continuously costing taxpayers a small fortune. We are, quote, very much aware of of this costing taxpayers a significant amount of money, says Aaron Osborne, the assistant superintendent of finance at Hampton William Borough Regional Regional School District, told NBC News. And, quote, we have been doing everything we can to get this problem solved. Osborne said it's difficult to say how much money it's costing because during the pandemic and its aftermath, energy costs fluctuated wildly. I would say the, the net impact is in the thousands of dollars per month on average, but not in the tens of thousands of dollars tens of thousands of dollars, Osborne said. That is in part because the high school uses a highly efficient fluorescent and LED bulbs, he said. And when possible, teachers have manually removed bulbs from fixtures in classrooms, while staffers have shut off breakers not connected to the main system to douse some of the exterior lights. Still, having the lights on at Minning Chong or Chang, whatever, all the time is a conspicuous waste of taxpayer money. Williams Brewer William Braz, town selectman, said in an August 8th, 2022 letter to the members of Hampton, William Brawl Regional School District, the image it predicts is one of, fuck, I can't even pronounce this word, prolifigy? In a time when many families in the community the district serves are struggling with their own energy costs, they wrote. But there's hope on the horizon that the lights at this high school will soon be dimmed. Paul Mustone, president of the Reflex Lightning Group, or Lighting Group, sorry, said the parts needed to replace the system at the schools have finally arrived from the factory in China, and they expect the installation uh, over the Feb- February break. You know what? Why would you get a Chinese... Uh, like cheap Chinese system like that put in that has no manual override. Like this should be like a software switch somewhere. Like it's a lighting system. Well, it should be a fucking well, switch. Well, this is the thing you're telling me that it's completely run by software and turning the computer off won't turn off the lights. Yeah. Now, supposedly this stuff has been back ordered since October 14th of 2023. It, it doesn't matter. Whoever approved that design you need to have manual overrides. What if it starts a fire? Yeah. And you can't turn it off. Like it, th- this is sort of not to mention, you know how dumb that design is. Okay. Not high schools. Like my high school was built in 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when yours was built. I'm assuming 60s. a lot older. Yeah. Sixties. Yeah. Because it would have been when, when they started having larger high schools in the Northern area. Mm-hmm. But like my high school was 1967. It was fairly modern. Like my school was built with air conditioning, but we barely used it. And we had a pool inside. And that was like a new thing you did in, in the big schools that were being built. Uh, but my school had the thing where every classroom had a manual light switch, you know, for each, you know, you flip it off. Why would you not have that ability to just turn off the light in an individual room by like, even if it was controlled, even if at like nighttime, they're like, hey, any light switch that's on, the computer will turn it off. Why wouldn't you have a manual override switch for every room? It takes like two seconds to install that. Uh, not to mention, like, in you know, in the areas like in the hallways, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know how the janitors did it, right? They always had a light switch near uh, the stairwell. That's how it is in, in almost all those schools. But you remember how they turn them off because they don't want kids fucking with it. The light switch is a key. Now, 
remember, remember you you put that key in and you don't turn it but you put the key in it has to be a specific key and you pull down and that's how it turns the switch off for for each floor you know even if it's a huge floor and then here's this my friggin college you know conestoga you know go condors <laughs> they have a different system where yes there's a light switch in there but even if the light switch is on in each room and even in the hallways uh if in the hallways i believe it's a manual thing to turn it off but in each classroom if there's no movement detected it, it has sensors and this school was built in the 60s and you know it's been updated since then you know think about this it's a 50 year old school or more if you walk if if you're sitting in the room by yourself and you're just on your computer reading completely by yourself nobody else in there and you don't move after 10 minutes the lights turn off and then if you stand up the lights turn back on now how hard is it to have motion like if this is a computerized system why isn't there a motion detection aspect to it because if you're in a room and you're like well what if you're all in a room and you're not doing anything there's no way there's 30 people in a room and it doesn't detect motion so Actually, it's funny that you mention all these things. So uh, two people that were in charge of this, uh, like I said, that person at the school district, they said they wrote in a letter to town leaders. They hired a software consultant to see if it was possible to, quote, patch the system to override the default system. And when that proved unworkable, they explored the possibility of having simple timers and even a on-off switch. Quote, this was deemed eventually not possible and the district moved to looking at the physical solutions that would retain some of the energy-saving intent of the original lighting management system. So this cost taxpayers over $1.2 million to completely replace were... the system. Hey, we, we, we're going to put quotes out and see who gives us the best quote for putting in lighting system. Oh, China's the cheapest and it's all automated. Okay, great. And nobody thought to check if there was an override. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that like Osborne says before I kind of close out this article, he says, we could have accepted the $1.2 million bid to rip out the system and start over right away. But I suspect we would find ourselves in the same position. He said, as I see it, there wasn't an alternative. Oh, no, this is stupid. This is somebody who has no idea at all. Because again, my college has had that option for at least 25 years. Yeah. Like this is just dumb. Like, this is, this is dumb. And, and like, I, I, okay. Or, or is it just a case of our schools are better? <laughs> well, here's the thing though. I mean, they hired a quote unquote software consultant, like, okay, you don't go from the guy who maybe branched out at Best Buy to do his own consulting business. No, you look no. national and you find somebody really good. Yeah. Or, or, or what you do is you go, not just that you talk to the school unions you talk you talk to the you talk to the universities uh, yeah like like what where, where was this this is massachusetts yeah. right yeah yeah you know what you do mit you, mit or or even like notre dame or anything you you contact any of the, the colleges and you go okay college because they're usually really good because they have such large campuses of figuring out you know they'll have upgraded their systems to stuff like we have here like my college was the biggest community college, but it's a community college. They don't have like a big endowment, like the university of Waterloo does with like $800 million a year or whatever. But like, even if my community college can have this and all these schools have had it for at least 20 some odd years, you'd think that in America, most of the schools are probably that good, if not more advanced because they'll have entire research divisions. Like they'll have students at the universities as part of their projects how can we make the university more efficient? Well, like they'll have that. How hard is it to just contact, you know, 
somebody at the in the like not even like a professor contact whoever's in charge of the facilities at a college in your local town well here's be like what do you use well (laughs) here's like kind of my thinking okay let's say they go to mit or notre dame or any of these ivy league schools who have a real big background in tech i guarantee you there are gray hat hackers people who work or consult with the security divisions of the u.s government hey we need you to quote hack our system to figure this out. There's no way it's not possible. No. Well, I and if they're saying it's if they're saying it's unhackable and it's unchangeable and the software is failing, here's my question: If you're that dumb and you put all that, how much of your classrooms are being recorded by secret cameras in your lights and sent back to China or something weird? Yeah, I guarantee you there is some weird backdoor shit with this. Yeah, like it, it's it just doesn't seem possible. And they try to say that the factories were shut down in China during the pandemic, which is, you know, possible. Yeah, the factories are shut down. Uh, could you have somebody who speaks English or even if they don't speak English, could you have one of the engineers that makes your software contact? All all they have to do then is get a software engineer consultant who speaks Chinese in America. That's not hard. And have them correspond with the Chinese software engineer and say, "How do we fix this?" Yeah, like they, they they didn't they didn't need new parts. What they needed was them to have a have software solution on their end. And if they didn't even think of that, that this is uh, it's, it's weird. It's it's weird, but it's so dumb. Whoever somebody is really dumb. It's in the facilities management there. Yeah, like why did you need this expensive thing to manage lighting? Like honestly, I'm not saying you 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 needed to go with you know a domestic. What, you know what it is? I guarantee you. Lowest bidder. Guarantee friggin' to you. Nope. We don't want to pay the salary of having a night groundskeeper. Yeah. And it's dumb. I mean, honestly, generate a job. Yes, he'll be part of a union. Yes, he'll be entitled to certain rights or responsibilities. But if something breaks, I'd rather have somebody I can call at 2 o'clock in the morning who's local. And, and say, hey, the lights aren't turning off. Come fix it. Somebody, somebody phoned us and said the lights aren't turning off and it's really bright in the school uh hey jim can you come in for 10 minutes and turn the lights off yeah like even when i was in (laughs) high school in the 90s i knew the janitors pretty well i knew their lighting routine because we would hang in the school and play D &D till after six and they're not there 24 7 but in the case of an emergency they show up or when there's like snow days they show up early to try to like at least plow out the area but like they their job is is pretty simple the last thing they do before they lock the doors at like 11 at night is they walk the, the, the night facility manager because you know, the main janitor is usually gone by like three in the afternoon because they're there at like seven in the morning, mm-hmm. but, uh, or even earlier. Uh, and their job is literally the, you know, walk around any, if there are any lights on in any of the rooms, they do a one pass through the whole school. They turn the lights off that are supposed to be off and then they lock the doors. How hard is that? Yeah. Dumb. All right, so our final story this week, this one's a, a, a little bit old, but that's okay. This one was originally published back in December of 2022, so close enough. This, it, it, it happened while we were off, yeah. so that doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will be considered caught up in February. Until then, deal with it. So this one comes courtesy of CowboyStateDaily.com, and pregnant cop busts Romanian man for stealing $8,000 bottle of scotch in his crotch. 
A Romanian man. You're welcome for that story, by the way. Thank you. It's an oldie, but a goodie. It is. A Romanian man accused of smuggling a nearly $8,000 bottle of scotch from a Jackson liquor store in his pants. Crotz was arrested after a pregnant police officer found him solicitating on city streets three weeks later. Uh, Mirian Firu, 50, faces a felony theft charge punishable by up to 10 years in prison and $10,000 in fines if convicted. On November 2nd, Jackson Police Department officers responded to a report that someone had stolen a nearly $8,000 bottle of 35-year-old... Alex, stop being stupid. Um, sorry. <laughs> Alan Beaker fighting. Um, well, they're learning their place in the hierarchy. It's okay. This is true. So uh, so he stole this nearly $8,000 bottle of 35-year-old Dalamore Scotch from the liquor store. Lieutenant Russ Rushill, the department's communications director, told Cowboy State Daily on Friday, Officer Paul Jacobson viewed security camera footage showing a person that really, really resembles Firu removing the bottle from the shelf, stuffing it into the crotch area of his pants, said Rushell, but police didn't learn Firu's name until later. A Jackson police officer on modified Dottie spotted, spotted Firu as he solicited money in Jackson on November 21st, Rushell said. The officer, whom Rushell did not identify by name, had been working in investigations but not contacting suspects because she is pregnant. She called Jacobson, who arrested Firu, quote, without incident. Firu had been panhandling for a while. Uh, they had noted he had been actively standing on Several of our street corners around the 1st of November, Rush Hill said, adding that Firu held a sign indicating he had a seven-year-old child with cancer. Witnesses reportedly saw Firu accepting money from people. It had not been determined whether Firu has had a seven-year-old with cancer, but Rush Hill said that is not a priority in finding a felony theft case. A Romanian translator, Firu said he's not sure if Firu speaks English. Police used a Romanian translator to advise him of his Miranda rights, but Firu would not answer any questions, the lieutenant said. It was odd, Rush Hill said. He never, he never said, I'd like an attorney. He just never responded to any questions. Panhandling is generally illegal in the city of Jackson until a little more than a year ago, Rush Hill said, because there were constitutional issues with forbidding the practice. Uh, the city changed its ordinance recently to require a permit for overt solicitation of funds on on public property. If Firu hadn't been the suspected Scots thief, police likely would have educated him on the policy and offered him a permit application, Rushell said. Firu was not slighted for solicitation on public property, said Rushell, adding that normally we wouldn't arrest people for shoplifting a bottle of liquor. However, an $8,000 bottle of liquor makes it a felony theft. Yeah, I mean, you steal something that expensive? Remember, theft over a thousand. That's that's uh, usually in most states and and most countries that ends up being you know federal time. Yeah, like I remember there was somebody. This was like a U.S. case involving uh, campaign funds or embezzlement, or it was some white collar crime. But yeah. they had the books cooked, so they were one dollar under the ten year minimum. <laughs> Uh, 9.99 baby yeah and i was 9.99 just do it 10 times or 100 times and then you're fine right yeah you know and it's like it's like oh 9.99 you get slapped with a fee 1000 you're doing time baby pretty much and it was just it's so weird and you know obviously we live in a society where food insecurity is a big issue but you should never resort to outright theft of stealing eight thousand dollar bottles of liquor um, now, now you can argue with whether eight thousand dollars is a, an okay price for liquor oh in general. God, no. Uh, Who but, pays but, this? 
like that's no it's people with clout yada 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 uh but like you know what eight thousand dollar bottle of liquor if he was smart enough to steal that and get rid of it that could i mean it's america things cost too much anyway if you had a daughter with that needed that kind of thing you know what you do you start to go fund me even if it's in romanian well okay here's my question like when i was younger I will admit I spent a lot of time in the liquor store because, hey, party bird man, um, let me tell you, you are not going to put an $8,000 bottle of liquor in an easily accessible place where someone can stuff it down their fucking couch. Uh, Mike, hide it under your gut. <laughs> I guess, but still, like, how did he get behind the counter? How did this happen? Like, I, I just, I have you, so many questions. That, that it's, it, first of all, I, I know it's different in the States. But in Canada, the uh, that much okay, our liquor stores don't carry bottles that expensive. No, I can't remember ever um, seeing anything that expensive. Not they'll once. never be on the shelf. They'll never be on a single shelf. That is a, a bottle of liquor that expensive. That's not a retail thing that we would ever carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we did carry it in one of our liquor stores in Ontario, it would be something that you would go in. And have to talk like even on the website wouldn't probably have it. You would have to talk to the manager of that location, and if they had something that expensive, it would be something that would be ordered in, held on for you, and then you would come and show your ID and pick it up. Yeah, like it's just, or, or you'd be dealing with a third party high end liquor service. What I mean by that is, you would be dealing with a liquor dealer mm-hmm. to get something like that. Uh, now our liquor prices are generally more expensive than the states. Like a forty is somewhere in like the sixty dollar range yep. right now. I think. Yep, sounds about right. Um, I, I don't. I don't drink liquor really at all. It's not. You know, it's not me being like I'm. I don't drink at all. It's just I don't. It's expensive. I don't buy that kind of stuff. When I do, I, I I'm a I'm a mixed drink spirits, uh, girl drink drunk kind of guy, right? So for me, it's like I'll I'll get the uh, the spritzer for like eight dollars or fifteen dollars, or I'll get like a hard cider. That's my thing if I get anything ever, which Same is here. very rare. Yeah. Like literally, and especially since the government this year, actually about a week ago, the new uh did you see the new the new document that came out talking about how they say you shouldn't have more than one drink a week? Yeah. Not not one to two per day or whatever it is. They're saying or like one a month. They're actually saying no drinking at all. And it's throwing the liquor industry into a tizzy trying to do uh Damn. spin. Oh, yeah. Because because the law now states that the that the liquor companies are supposed to tell you that liquor any drink any even a single beer raises your risk of cancer and this is something that they've known now for years and didn't want to tell anybody oh man um so uh there is now what's being pushed through in the law in canada you know how like we have like pictures of dying lungs and all this sort of stuff on our cigarettes Mm mm-hmm they want to put a label on the side, a big yellow label on the side of every liquor bottle and every beer case that says, uh, hey, just before you drink, I want to let you know that even one drink will uh, can cause cancer and raises your risk by like seven times or whatever oh, the hell it is. Oh, so that's what they're going to be fighting in court right now over whether or not the liquor companies will want to do that because it's going to kill their business. So anyway, we'll see. That's interesting. That's something for the later time to look at when things come down the line. But uh most of our bottles are anywhere in the range of 60 to like 150 dollars. you might see yeah i think the you, most expensive thing i think i've ever seen and i'm not even sure of this maybe 250 dollars for whiskey i yeah. want to say and and that well, what you see that with is 
they'll have like the collector's limited edition yearly thing of like a 60 you know 60 ounce of like crown royal mm-hmm. and that might be like 200 bucks or 250 bucks um and then you might find a bottle oh no you'll find wines here that are in like the three to five hundred dollar range but you will never see eight thousand it's just never like a thousand is too much for one of our stores to carry mm-hmm. but yeah so it, interesting uh hit it in his crotch the pregnant it's just the whole like it was like full-on clickbait title but it's interesting story <laughs> so yes that's the, i guess the weird news for us. yeah right? like yeah so thank you folks for checking in with us it's certainly been an unusual week to say the very least don't steal crotch liquor uh beware or, of giant or, no, toads. No, no, no okay okay you know what we're not going to tell you not just well. We're going to say not. Don't do anything illegal. But if you're going to steal crotch liquor, make it nine hundred ninety nine dollars worth of crotch liquor. Thanks, Ayla. I think it, yes, Ayla. It's time to end this segment. It's time to end this segment. <laughs> so we're going to take a break here on the show. We're going to close things out with one of Alex's review. This is a new game you should be able to check out very soon. So we will be back, guys, right here on This Week in Geek. I've been Mike the Birdman. He's been Alex the Producer. We'll be back, guys, right after this. It's been a little while, but our friends at Idea Factory International sent a review copy of Neptunia Sister vs. Sisters. Now, uh, you know with Neptunia games what you're in for when it comes to the style. It doesn't deviate from that at all. So I will open by saying it's obviously not going to be the RPG for everybody out there. If you're somebody who is not the biggest fan of really like over-the-top anime uh, uh, fan servicey style games, you're probably not going to want to play this. I'll just say that right now. If, if you're really stuck up and don't want that, don't bother. But if that doesn't bother you, or you're a big fan of the series, or you like uh, you know the variety that these games can provide, then you know obviously move forward. And you know you're going to want to know like, is this a worthwhile pickup for you does it change enough about uh the games in the franchise uh, and i'll say this it is a departure from uh some of the gameplay that felt kind of samey in the last few releases especially since like the last few releases of the neptunia games had been basically like alterations and slight enhancements and ports to other systems of uh like neptunia 7 uh or the last one before that I forget the name of it, but it was, um, they, they, like, they were fine and they had like, you know, VR enhancements or they had enhancements for, for like 60 FPS on other consoles and, and that's all nice and good. But this is a, a spinoff that really is more like a move forward for the franchise. I found the battle system to be a lot better, um, at least a lot more modern feeling than the last few games. And like, you can... There's combo attacks. Uh, there, you can actually customize combos. Called it's combo make they call it, where you're able to make new chain attacks and it has different effects. Uh, there's tactical skills you can use uh, and employ in the battle. You run up to the. It's not like a static battle screen. You run up to the enemy and you have a, a, a like a I guess a radius of where you can attack, uh, similar to something like Arc the Lad on PS2. Um, or some of the, the PS2 era tactical games where it wasn't just a square grid. It was like a, a whole area you could use. And then, then you input your commands and attack and it can affect multiple enemies at once or one enemy. Um, there are uh, chaining different attacks together, uh, ways to 
compliment with your party members attacking. Uh, there's, it's actually quite deep and farther. It's a little harder to explain in a short time here, but there's a fair amount uh, there, and organizing your party can change uh, certain things too, where their stances are and so on. Uh, there are uh, a multitude of levels of, of just how deep the battle system is. Uh, Story-wise, uh, it's more of the same, except that your the the versus aspect is you're sort of going to war with uh, handheld or mobile platforms. That's the idea. It's console versus mobile. So there's you know a little tongue-in-cheekness in how it's compared to like the real world, how we were arguing for a while. It's like, oh man, everything's going mobile. Nobody wants that. It's a fight between mobile gamers and or mobile slash handheld gamers and then console gamers. So, you know, if you like that sort of thing, you know, har har, tongue in cheek, uh, that's great. The The game has voice acting and it's actually pretty good. Everything suits the characters. It's, it's what you'd want. It's, um, it's better than, uh, you know, I was maybe going to expect. Audio wise, uh, decent sound, nothing to super write home about. But everything suits it well. It's a well put together game. I didn't encounter any bugs. Runs uh, buttery smooth. I did receive a PS4 and PS5 version to check out. And uh, checking out the PS4 version, it obviously runs you know pristine in the PS5. Uh, and the main difference that I could see in the PS5 version versus the PS4 version was uh, slightly better graphics, a little bit better draw distance. So it's using slightly higher textures. Uh, file size was a little less, so it's, it's taking advantage of that SSD for reducing redundancy. Um, but there, there wasn't anything super noticeable in my mind that differentiated, you know, the native code between them. So you'd be happy with, you know, either version. If you want, you could just buy the PS4 version, and then when your PS5 comes out and you play it, you're not going to be missing out anything. Except if you have a PS5 version, you may as well just buy the PS5 version. You know, if, if that makes any sense to you. I did find that. Uh, I, I was worried when I was playing this initially because I was like, am I burnt out on the series? And this might have pulled me in to make me want to see what else they might have up their sleeve next because it was pleasantly, uh, surprisingly better than the last few releases. So we don't give like number grades in our reviews, but uh, th this is a definite... If I'm an RPG fan, I might want to check this out sort of game. Welcome back as we begin to close out the show here on ThisWeekInGeek.net. We've actually had a pretty busy week back here uh, on the show. I know we've had more Earth versus Soup. Me, Alex, and Aaron got together this week and we recorded a brand new loose cannon on King of New York and McBain. Look for that later on uh, this week. We're going to be recording another loose cannon this week about uh, Action Force uh, US and what was the other one again action action usa action. and american Ram and american rampage yeah so we'll be looking at that later on this week as we continue the cavalcade of crap that is <laughs> and then a sneak peek at a next the next one will be lorenzo lamas's snake eater trilogy oh sorry my watch is wanting me to call somebody uh your watch can wait. Yeah, my watch for you, watch for you, Apple Watch. But yes, uh, we'll be doing the Snake Eater trilogy from Lorenzo Lamas back when you know anybody could be an action star. And then uh, after that, I've, I've, we've got a list. I've got a list of like ten other pairings that we can all choose from. That and we, but we might actually jump into one of Birdman's. Or I know Aaron is really wanting to do more of the Andy Sedaris movies, and so we'll do one of those in the next month or so. 
uh, and then you have some ideas that you want to do. So we'll probably, after those these next few weeks, maybe we'll do a rotation where it's like one week's Mike's, one week's uh, Aaron's picks, one week's Alex picks, and then we'll go around. Yeah, and then I know uh, Alex and Aaron are doing a wrap-up of the year in Trek, and then I come back when we start doing other topics for sci-fi, and then we're just going to get back into it. I know we are preparing to do some RPG stuff. I know Alex will be running Power Rangers sometime before March, I want to say. That's that's the okay. That's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> because we know that schedules can be funky. But that's the hope is we'll do a one-off, uh, whether that be, to be honest, whether somewhere between two and four hour session that we're, we'll record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically either we, we'll record, if we find that scheduling might be difficult, it might be something where we do a one three hour session. Mm-hmm. And if it's something where we find we can actually get a couple uh, sessions in, we'll do two, two hours or something like that. Yeah. But that's that, that's the idea. And you know, if we find that we're getting to the point where maybe it's hard to complete or we're getting close to the end and you know let's let's say it's a a three hours or we're getting approaching three hours or or it is right around three hours and we're really close to the end maybe it's a three and a half hour game we'll figure it out but the idea is one session from the the little booklet that comes with the gm screen that's the you know you're supposed to be like an introductory mission just to see how fun the game can be and if we decide to come back to it we we come back to it yeah exactly and then i'm currently writing our uh season two which will be a short six six to eight episode thing we're gonna do transformers generation one that's by renegade game studios i've actually had a lot of fun researching uh this one and i just got an email today from the kickstarter for brindlewood bay that's the the granny book club murder mystery cthulhu series Mm -hmm. and they are expecting uh everything seems to be on track for a march printing press uh release so it'll be in my hands as long as nothing you know knock on wood changes before the end of march so that'll be another one-off game that we can play in the spring that should be our summer release or yeah 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 okay because of because it's kickstarter yeah something where we can have one of the one-offs in the summertime we'll do that we'll do some other ones too mm-hmm. sorry ayla's being stupid and my watch is freaking out it is stop time being yeah stop it being, is time to go it's time to go guys <laughs> so anyway guys we've got a lot of good stuff coming up uh, on the show this week so big thank you to sending over some cool toys from hasbro we talked about star trek prodigy alex covered his game it's been a good week. We got a lot of good stuff coming up on the show over the next few weeks. Thank you for joining us. Our 16th year anniversary is next week. I might not be on the show because I will be volunteering at an arts festival next week. So if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, if you happen to live in Southern Ontario, go to Google, type in Arts Everywhere Guelph. That's where I'm going to be volunteering. If you happen to see me around on TikTok or whatever, Please feel free to say hi. I love talking and meeting with all of you. It's going to be busy, but I'm really looking forward to it. So until next time on thisweekingeek.net, where my cats will hopefully not kill each other, uh, uh, we have been... Alex, the producer. I've been Mike, who's been wrangling cats, the Birdman, saying, please be excellent to each other. We'll catch you guys again next week, right here on thisweekingeek.net. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response... Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Geek. Hungry for more? Check out our website at thisweekingeek.net. 
You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember, lower your shields and surrender your listenership. We would be honored if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night.